prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, John David Washington on Tenet and his comfort movie, Coming to America. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. New guest on the pod this week. It is Mr. John David Washington. You know his name by now. You saw him in Black Klansman and you are seeing him. If you haven't seen him yourself in Tenet yet, you've probably seen the trailers, the posters, the commercials. He is, of course, the lead in Christopher Nolan's newest ginormous spectacle that I haven't seen. I'll be, I'll be frank. I haven't seen. I'm in New York, guys. What, what can I say? I haven't been to a movie theater like many, many of us. This is, uh, this is a weird circumstance. But John David Washington is promoting Tenet, which is in theaters. And if, if, if it's where you're at, if it's done in a safe way, if you feel comfortable with it, then Godspeed. Um, sadly, I'm not in a place where I can see it or see it comfortably or see it safely. But that doesn't take away anything from the fact that John David Washington is having a moment and has been having a moment the last couple years. He, uh, for those that don't know, he is, of course, Denzel Washington's son, so he's got it in the genes. His mom is, a, is an actor as well. Um, and, you know, his first career, as it were, wasn't really in the arts. He made a go of it in professional football. That didn't end up panning out, as it doesn't for many people due to injuries. Shifted back into acting. Got a big part on Ballers on HBO, Dwayne Johnson's show, and since then has been transitioning into big films and, and really has, has transitioned in a big way relatively quickly. Um, Black Klansman, Spike Lee's film from a couple years back was a big moment for him, uh, giving him the lead role in that. And, uh, and now he's in Tenet, which, as I said, I mean, this is, this is a big deal because this is a Christopher Nolan movie and Christopher Nolan can basically cast whoever he wants in the leads of his uh, his films, and he, he he chose John David Washington, and and I get it. This guy's got charisma um, seeping out of every pore, and he's clearly got the goods. So I was psyched to catch up with John David Washington for my first kind of substantial conversation with him um, about Tenet, about his film um, taste growing up, and indeed his comfort movie, which I was delighted to find out was. The Wonderful Coming to America, which I haven't seen in, in, in a bit, though it is kind of in my bones. I, I've seen it many times. One of Eddie Murphy's classics. Uh, it was fun to revisit that one and fun to hear John David Washington talk about why he loves Eddie Murphy and why he loved this movie in particular. And uh, yeah, it was a good movie to kind of um, to to um, reanalyze, as it were. And uh, we didn't even talk about it in the, in the course of the conversation, but there's a sequel coming, Coming to America. Um, I don't know when it's coming out. It was supposed to come out th this uh, holiday season. Again, everything's in flux, but um, at some point we are going to see um, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall back in a Coming to America sequel, which is crazy. Um, so other things to mention besides the, the main event, which is my conversation with John David Washington. Um, some cool stuff. Uh, Stir Crazy, the Comedy Central series. This week's guest is uh, the hilarious Nikki Glazer. Very funny comedian. She was awesome talking to me from her 
her parents' home in St. Louis, Missouri. It's funny to talk to so many of these folks that have like gone back home. So she's she's living that life right now, even as she starts to do stand up. Frankly, in some in some cases, you know, in, in outdoor venues, etc. So that was fun. You can check that out on Comedy Central's YouTube page and Facebook page. Um, oh, I do want to mention this. I've got a very cool event coming up for Metaverse. If you've been listening to the podcast recently, you probably remember that I did a special event with Georgia Miller recently, a fifth anniversary look back at uh, Mad Max Fury Road. This was done in conjunction with the folks at Metaverse, which is kind of, it's basically the company that does New York Comic Con and other big cons like that. So since there can't be a New York Comic Con in person this year for obvious reasons, they are doing another one of these things they call Metaverse, which is going to be on YouTube. All of the content is going to be free. It's from October 8th through October 11th. As part of that, I've got two things coming up. One I can't mention quite yet, but you guys are going to really dig what it's going to be. I'll talk about that soon. But the one I can mention right now is I am doing a 10th anniversary since the end of Lost panel with Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. So it's been 10 years since the end of Lost, one of the most popular, influential, important shows in the history of television, talking to Damon and Carlton, the showrunners of that show, um, all about Lost. And it's going to be a fan Q&A, meaning maybe I'll throw in some of my own questions, but most, for the most part, I am asking your questions. So I want to hear from you guys. I know there are Lost fans out there. All you have to do is tweet at me with the hashtag Lost in the Metaverse. doesn't even need to be to me, or it can be to your Comic-Con or whoever, but use the hashtag. That's how we're going to find these questions. Lost in the Metaverse. M-E-T-A-V-E-R-S-E. Ask your questions. I will ask as many as possible. Um, I will say that I know Damon and Carlton want to answer everything. They also want to answer any stupid, bizarre, weird questions. So the weirder, more random, crazier, esoteric, lost questions, the better chance you're going to have of me actually using them. Hashtag lost in the metaverse. Hit me up on Twitter, on my Instagram page, wherever. Just use that hashtag. Uh, we'll search it out. And again, I will use as many of those fan questions as possible. The deadline, I believe, will be this Sunday. This Sunday. So that's, let's see, September 20th, um, like noon Eastern time, something like that. So get your questions in ASAP. By this Sunday, use the hashtag Lost in the Metaverse. Special event, Carlton Cuse, Damon Lindelof. And we're going to talk all things lost. That is really exciting for me and hopefully for you guys. Um, not much else to say. Um, watching all the usual things, just like everybody else. I finally watched I May Destroy You, which, as advertised, was very powerful and, and fascinating. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. I am obsessed with the HBO series The Vow. I'm way ahead on that one. I've seen some screeners of that one. Highly recommend that docu-series about the Nexium cult. Oh my god, I'm obsessed. Um, and starting to see some cool fall movies. Weirdly, we're starting to get into award season, whatever that means now. But yeah, the festivals are happening virtually, so I'm starting to get a, a chance to see some really cool movies that I'll talk about on future episodes. Um, okay, that's enough of me rambling. Let's get to the main event. John David Washington, Tenet is the movie. 
you know where it's at, you know if it's playing near you, you know if you want to do it, that's up to you. But uh, in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this conversation with uh, one of our newest, uh, brightest stars out there, Mr. John David Washington. John David, welcome to the weird version of my podcast in 2020. But I guess everything's weird in 2020. What can I say? Um, the new norm, man. This is the new norm. Let's thanks hope it's me. not the norm for long. But yeah, thanks, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, congratulations on, on all the success, man. It's been a hell of a couple of years for you. Uh, and I'm sure you were looking forward to this summer. <laughs> and it's maybe not gone quite according to what you'd envisioned. Right. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, at the start of the year, you're probably like, this is the year. This is going to be a big year for me. And you're enjoying it, I'm sure. But it's a different kind of enjoyment. Talk me through it a little bit. Yeah, uh I definitely, even this time last year, saw this the whole rollout going another way. Uh, definitely uh, beginning of the year in January, I was looking forward to traveling the world and selling a Christopher Nolan film. Obviously, circumstances have changed that reality, but um, nonetheless, I'm still very excited and super proud and happy about uh, it coming out and getting, getting to the people, you know, just a little more... Uh, difficult than, than yeah. before. Were, were you like everybody else? I would imagine like the last few months, obviously the release date kept shifting, et cetera. And you must, I can only imagine when you put to, to be in your headspace, like you must have been just so anxious for the world to see this and to, yeah. um, and to, and to like yeah. just get on with it. G- give me a sense. Was it frustrating for you the last few months or what? Oh, well, I wouldn't say frustrating. I, I was, I, but I was, you know, it was, it was sad. It, it, it saddened me from time to time. Uh, in the unknown of it, you're just not knowing if, you know, even when it became when, even though there was a delay, but when felt better. But the if was 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 hard to take, you know, not knowing if it was going to just go straight to streaming, if we'd have to wait a whole other summer. Um, so I, I was definitely, um, you know, it, it was it was tough for me to uh, to deal with. But um, I mean, just not, you know, just. Not that tough, but just yeah. everything's relative. Obviously, so nowadays, when right. you say something stuff, you're like, <laughs> it's not like, yeah, it was just so. Damn, <laughs> no, it was. It was uh, you just you know you had this idea of how it was going to happen and what sure. was going to how the rollout was going to be and everything like that. And you know, it was just a huge film. It was one of Christ, it was Christopher Nolan films, so it was just um, the idea of what you think that's going to be uh, took some adjust adjusting to um, yeah. obviously due to the pandemic. You're you're in LA, I know. Um, are you still in the parents' house? Has that gone? Has that? Has no, that no, I'm I'm, I'm I'm living. I I'm off the reservation. <laughs> so so you did spend some time there, though, right? So like, I at did. what at I what did. point did it go from oh sweet nostalgic, this is kind of sweet, to oh we're all gonna murder each other if I don't get out of here? <laughs> See, I got to be careful with how I answer this. Um, but uh, it I'll put it like this: it, it was a smooth transition out. <laughs> <laughs> it was very smooth. Everybody understood. Well, my mom still, she's like, no, nah, just, you, you can, it'll be different this time. <laughs> it'll be I'm env- different this time. I'm envisioning you like literally like opening a window in the dead of night and just like jumping out and be like, peace, see you guys. <laughs> but like, like, if you see the trailer of, of us jumping, on, like, repelling, yep. repelling onto it and then jumping up, that's, that's what happened just in the, in the thick of night. Just, just I'm glad. I'm glad. Tenet pre- I'm glad. Tenant prepared you for escaping from your house. Uh, your, your home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I needed that training. 
so I'm, I'm curious, I want to, you know, as I was telling you, you know, this podcast is, is usually a more of a kind of a career conversation. We'll get into some of that, but we are, we're also kind of talking about film taste and movies that we've, we've come to view as comfort movies. I'm curious before we dive into like the comfort movie you selected, just getting a sense of how your movie taste was formed. Obviously, we all have unique upbringings. You certainly had one having parents that were both artists, your dad, one of the mm-hmm. biggest movie stars on the planet. Did your relationship to movies and acting, was it, would you say it was a unique one growing up or was it not that much different from anybody else's, you think? Um, I'm, I, guess, I guess that's relative too. I, I guess it was unique. Um, but like my, my parents surprisingly weren't the only, weren't the only influence. I, I, my uncle, Rick Weaver, North Carolina, um, had all these movies back in the VHS days when I was a kid. Um, and my cousins would go to school. I'd stay at, at, at my uncle's house while my cousins were at school. And I'd just watch in his, in his basement just hours and hours of movies. He would have like five movies recorded on one tape, on one VHS tape. So like the credits would start and then it would like scramble a bit and, turn, and then morph into the next film. Oh, totally. So like, I, I mean, like there was a film like uh, what, Band of the Hand. I used to watch that religiously. I know, right? It's like, I, 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 I just- I wouldn't even like, escape. So I, I, I consider myself something of a cinephile, John David, and I don't even know that one. That, you beat me. That's, that, yeah, yeah, take a look at it. early, uh, early days. It's like it was, it was in the, I think, uh, was it, who makes an appearance in it? Um, Lawrence Fishburne makes okay. an appearance in it. You know, Leon is in it. <laughs> so I, I used to, I used to, I used to love, I used to love that film. Um, but yeah, just uh, so I, I just, just you know, all the horror, the horror genre. I used to be so scared of it because they, North Carolina, he lived around the woods, so it used to scare me. But uh, I, those are the movies I had to watch. So it was between that and then yeah, my, my folks obviously they get some of the Academy Award films brought right. home, and I'd watch those. I mean, Glory, I, I watched religiously. Ninja Turtles, I'll watch religiously. Um, <laughs> I like you how know, you say um, from glory to Ninja Turtles, because only one of those, I, I think, had your dad in, as far as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but they were at the house. I'm just saying, like, you just understand like, what my palate is, I why it. it is, you know, like Tim Burton <laughs> films. I just, I, so I just, I watched all kinds of things growing up. Uh, who were the, who were the just, first? Just loved it sorry, who, who were the first actors or directors you became obsessed with? Do you remember, like, an, an actor or uh, a filmmaker? Actually, Ed Wick. Probably because of because of glory, I, I I was just obsessed with him, and uh, I mean all the Star Star Wars, you know. So so um, you know, but uh, yeah, Spike Lee was another one, but I wasn't really allowed to watch his movies early on. So so that was a thing. Um, but did yeah, you see, probably, did you see Malcolm X when when your dad did Malcolm X? Did you get a chance to see it? I did. No? I, yeah, I did get to see it. Um, I did see that. So I was just, I was just, I love Spike Lee, but I just wasn't allowed to see all, like I wasn't allowed to see more better blues when I was a kid, you know, another movie he collabed with my father with. So yeah. uh, they, they, I didn't like, actually strange. I didn't get to see that. T- I didn't see it till I was like in college. So oh, really? I was late to the party. Yeah. So what, what about being just on film sets? Does that change? Like you saw like how the sausage was made as a kid, I would imagine. And mm-hmm. does that change? Because so much about going to movies when you're a kid is about escaping and, and just, and buying into that fantasy. Was any of that ruined for you, considering you knew a little bit of how it was all done? No, I think it, it added to the excitement, like knowing there was something about my dad being able to transform, like he knowing, especially with the Richard, Richard III, when he did that Shakespeare in the Park, I remember yeah. being in New York, when I was a kid and him reciting his lines. And then when I remember seeing him on that stage with the limp and the mullet and the tights, <laughs> to the third, I thought it was like a magic trick. You know, I've said right. that before. It just, it was something so special 
and uh, and captivating about him being able to morph into this guy because I know he didn't really talk like that. Right. So um, so being on set was sort of an extension of that uh, feeling I had when I saw him transform into Richard the Third. Just seeing how um, everything's everything's were done, and I never thought it was slow or. This is like the pay. I never was bored on set. I just love the activity level of everybody. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, there was a memory I have of he was shooting glory, and uh, there was it was the war scene, the battle scene on the on the beach, and uh, we were sitting like deep deep video village, I guess, with my mother. It was nighttime, and so the war scenes happened. You see the sparks flying, and I guess the fireworks and bombs going off for the scene. Um, so he comes up out of the ashes, my father, <laughs> like it was like pitch black. And he's coming up out of the ashes where it's light. And he's like, he looks at me and he's like, you want to come down to set? And I, I was just, I was, I was just super. And I was like, yes, 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 let's go. Mom, can I go? And she hated on me. She didn't let me go down there. So uh, I'll never forget that. I was so upset. But that's one of my favorite scenes in movie history is just that, that final war scene in glory. And I was there, but I wasn't there. But uh, I just loved it. I, I always loved being on set. I felt very comfortable on set, hearing cut and yelling action. See, I remember sitting in uh, the, the courtroom in Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and, uh, and Pops. And I remember Tom Hanks would like, he would tell jokes in between takes and then he's so serious when, um, uh, when they yelled action. So I just thought that was like magic. Like how, how did he do that? How did he change his personality that fast? Amazing. So, um, I mean, again, an, another example would be um, Russell Crowe. Uh, he, he gave me a, a Jonah Lamu jersey a New Zealand uh, athlete because because uh, I, I happen to know the All Blacks, New Zealand All Blacks. And uh, seeing, you know, set on virtuosity and, um, you know, him him acknowledging me and seeing and giving me, he gave me the World Cup tape uh, and a Jonah Lamu jersey. I'll never forget it. So, I, I, so, so all that just, it was just, I just loved it. I, I always embraced it. I love that you mentioned those, uh, those Ed Zwick films. I mean, I'm sure, again, I'm sure your relationship to them is different, but like literally I will, I, I get sucked into, if I see like the last 30 minutes of glory, I cannot turn it off because it, it just, it, right. it reaches such an emotional crescendo Every and it's, it's, it's just so powerful. And frankly, Courage Under Fire too, like always wrecks me by the end. Like those are, those are Slept great. On, man. That's a great film. Great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Um, so the, the comfort movie you chose does uh, touch on transformation a bit. There's a, there's a <laughs> lot of transformation in this film. I really appreciated your pick, man. Um, we haven't mentioned uh, this actor, but he is a huge influence for those of us that came of age in the 80s or 90s. Uh, talk to me about Eddie Murphy and Coming to America. Why was this your pick? <sighs> Where do I start? Again, talking about, I guess, magic tricks and seeing how people can morph into care. Well, he played, you know, he and Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall doesn't get credited enough for what he did sure. uh, in that film. But just all these characters that they played. I didn't know they were the same person as a kid, even though the credits showed it. Later, I didn't really put it together. It was like, there's no way that that the Jewish fellow in the barbershop <laughs> is Eddie Murphy. Like, uh, I... You know, so I mean, it's just one of the funniest movies ever made. The writing is phenomenal. Um, and just this sort of this early, early days in the 80s, the celebration of black excellence, of, of uh, you know, the fluence of, of, of royalty, you know, um, being highlighted. But they didn't, they didn't, I don't know, they didn't, they didn't sensationalize it in a yep. way. It was just normal. In fact, he, the whole point was him trying to be normal, be a regular guy, not showing his identity. I, I just, I loved it. And him going to, of all places, it was kind of a, a practical choice. Where, where do you go? Look for a queen in America. Queens. Like, it's, it's I thought it was brilliant. But, the, but just the, it, how they, um, 
they managed to 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 display such rich culture yep. uh, and sort of the difference, like what, what Black Panther did in a lot of ways, the American African American culture, the African culture, and that's sort of the 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 connection between the two and 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 um, between like Arsenio Hall playing the preacher, you know, <laughs> with that terrible wig and the edges in the teeth. I just, they just, they nailed so many cultural like touchstones and, 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 and um, I don't know, um, situations. They brought it to the forefront. They brought it and they made it mainstream. Yep. Um, and people that, uh, people that don't look like, like me that get it. You know what I'm saying? People for the, like, it, 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 there's a universal connection that, that you just get these characters, but it's so specific to, a, to, a, to our culture. I just loved everything that, uh, about it. You, you, you mentioned like literally at half a dozen different points in there that I, I'm totally with you on board and we can kind of dive into each of them. I want to give a little context. I mean, everybody knows Coming to America, of course, but it opened on June 29th, 1988. Um, you were pretty young then. I can't imagine you saw it when it yeah. first came out. What, do you remember? I didn't go to theaters. No, I, I saw it later. I saw it later. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do, you, do you remember it being like a big deal to see? It's probably an R-rated film, I would imagine, just from the language. Do you remember? I think, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, him and it's just screaming. In fact, the, talking about my uncle, my North Carolina, there was I saw it. That was the first time I saw it. My, my, it. my uncle who had it on the VHS tapes. That's so, so I saw it later. There Wait, you go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Obviously, that, that yeah. answers the question. We we need those uncles in our lives to expose us to the stuff <laughs> that maybe we're not ready for, or we you know it, it's it's how we form our our taste. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, 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 you know, I've of course seen this movie many times, but I checked it out again uh, last night. I mean, for those that don't know, of course, Eddie plays among other characters. The main character is Akeem, who is uh, of course the crown prince of Zamunda, who's yes, coming to America. Zamunda, to Zamunda. So yeah, I mean, you, you, you nailed it. I mean, I feel like, and you can speak to this better than I can, uh, presumably. Zamunda Wakanda are like probably the two most influential, important fictional African <laughs> nations like ever put on screen. Like it's insane, but it's true, don't you think? I mean, I actually never made the connection to just talking about it, but yeah, huge, like very, very important in the in the uh, in the in, in the theater community in, in the movie in the movie community for sure. Um, I just what they again, like I was talking about what they represent, but Zamunda. Well, I guess like Wakanda, I was so young and I imagine, but see, you know, it's rated R and it's a comedy, but it's something about the, the, how I just, I wouldn't use, I remember the, remember the scene you just saw. So when they yeah. go to the, to the Nick game and the vendor <laughs> stops and drops his drinks, I am a loyal citizen of the moon. I mean, it, it was such a, a, a precious moment for me because it was just, again, celebrating such black excellence in America, in like, like in, in this, in this common area, you know, just the man I met to the restroom, like yeah. he was, so, it was almost a throwaway, you know, <laughs> one like, of the best the deliveries that, of a line. Yeah. Just that, oh. how the way he throws away, just the man I met in the restroom. <laughs> just the man I met in the restroom. Like Eddie, Eddie, to me, in my opinion, if that movie comes out now, he, he gets nominated, you know, maybe even Arsenio as well. I mean, it's one, I think it's, I think it's slow. It's slept on, like scared. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think, but I think that movie slept on. And um, agree, yeah. but yeah, I think just what that moment represents for me was here's a man who's sort of trying to suppress his royalty, his greatness, his black excellence in this country, not because of anything that has to do with like, I don't know, uh, uh, you know social unrest or social, uh, you know, it was more about he's trying to find love. It was more yeah. on a personal level, you know, in his, in his life. And I just thought that's such a unique uh, uh, perspective uh, about a character, especially ones that look like us. 
he, my, my hot take in watching it again last night was, and I was, as, as I was reading on it, is I think it's more autobiographical than we think. I mean, you think about where Eddie was in his life. He was mm. one of the most famous human beings on the planet. He was peak Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy. It was Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Raw had right. come out the year before. And I'm sure this was the point where he was being treated like a god. And that's mm. where Akeem is in the beginning of this film, where he that's wants cool. to, he's, he's looking to be treated like a semi-normal person. And I think on some mm-hmm. level, this, is, this started as a story that Eddie wrote. On some level, this is about Eddie Murphy, you know, wanting to still feel like a, a, like a relatable Be human being. My hot take. I don't know if it's true or not, but. That's great. I, 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 you should, when you, when you see him, you bring that up because <laughs> I mean, I could, that, I, I, I totally buy that. I mean, I can imagine, does Eddie Murphy wake up and get his teeth brushed for him and i mean like <laughs> the wipers you think he has wipers around the wipers like the, the bath scene it's just even uh and i love uh the homage that uh there was a great video from uh buster rhymes uh that sort of did a take on it like yeah. a sort of parody that i love just i mean there's so many things in that film it's a smart it's, it's a it was directed by john landis who of course he had worked on uh trading places which was, was really the movie that launched him his film career right. um it's it's it doesn't feel like actually a huge budget movie when I'm watching it again, but it's it's actually where they spent the money is great. I, again, when I was watching it last night, there were like two elephants and one zebra. You see just like at the perfect spots <laughs> whenever they're walking around Samunda. Right. It's like it just always makes and the me giraffe laugh. too. They got the the, the, the giraffe yeah. got his close up, but really tight. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, we spent money on this. We're gonna show the giraffe. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, but what so, about that? But that 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 dance sequence though. I mean, oh uh, the uh, the wedding. Yeah, I mean that's like I went to a black, a sort of historically black, historically black college, yep. and that theme plays all the time in our games, our halftime shows. I mean that was, I mean talking about budget, I wonder you know how much that cost that day, how many days they took to shoot that, yeah, because it, again it talks about the allure of the this the it gave it scale too, you know, like this was a big event. This is just like they rule like this this corner of Africa that it's a big deal. I, I love that. Well, and, and to think about it, like, there aren't many white people in this movie. And yet this was a movie that was, like, mainstream. This cut across every demo and was just a blockbuster hit. And that's, that's an important point to make, that, like, this cut across. It, was, it, did, it wasn't a niche movie. It wasn't a, quote-unquote, black movie. It worked right. for all audiences. Um, and, and that can't well, be discounted. That's what I – yeah, I, and, I, and I love – that's a good point. I, I just um, – I love that they didn't, it wasn't sort of a self-proclaimed, this is for the people, this is for our people, this is for, this is for the community, this is for the community of moviegoers who love, who love Eddie Murphy, who, who enjoy comedy, uh, who enjoy good storytelling, you know, it's, it was a, it was universal, and I think a lot of that is due to the, 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 the origins of the movie, which is Africa, you know, and yeah. that sort of relationship between Africa and African Americans, um, but that being said, though, the, the, the appearances on here, what's my man's name? The Now I'm on Lettuce, right? Uh, oh, oh, worked oh. at the McDowell's. Yeah, Next yeah, yeah. Next I'll be on Fry's. Is it Louis? <laughs> Louis Anderson. Um, Louis Anderson. Anderson, man. Like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's when the big bucks start rolling. I mean, he's dropping gems right there. You know what I'm he saying? Is. Well, the big players, it is a well-cast movie. As much as it's dominated by Eddie and Arsenio, down to Vondi Curtis Hall, who pops in, Sam Jackson, who is like, must have been one of his first movies, but it's like, it's like (laughs) full on, like, oh, that's Sam Jackson at 11. Like, it's like he he did the part yesterday and it's just, it's still him. Right. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Vanessa Bell, Vanessa Bell Calloway, like, whatever you like, like, it's, 
like you know, this this all oh, yeah, uh, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in the in the barbershop, in the barbershop seat, yep. You know, in the barbershop. So I mean, this it's yeah. So you alluded to, yes, I mean, the, uh, both Eddie and Arsenio are playing a host of characters, particularly in that barbershop sequences, which is now legendary. Um, yeah. What's your, I mean, you've done comedy, but you haven't done this kind of comedy. No, yet. not yet. That's, are, is that in your wheelhouse? Is that even something that feels like you could tackle? Or what, give me a sense of what, you, what your attitude is about that. I don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, that what, what, what comedians do. I mean, stand-up to me is like the hardest form of entertainment. To stand up there with a mic and make people laugh for two hours or whatever, depending on how long the special is, that's a different kind of, that's a different kind of animal. That's a different kind of beast yeah. you have to be. Um, and what, what they pulled off, I, I, would like, I like to think that I can be different characters and find the humor in things and subject matters that are, you know, relevant. Um, but what they did, <laughs> to fully commit like that, like the what the, 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 the sexual chocolate uh, band leader, like yeah, yeah, you don't go Eddie you, Murphy. I you, could. You have to go all the way, or it's not going to work. You, you go, have to commit to that. Or, yes, you know, there's no halfway, and I don't know if I'm secure enough in my funny bone to to pull something. And I'd want it. That's what I'd be chasing. I'd be chasing a movie like that. If it's going to be something, I have to be yeah. at that level. You know what yeah. I mean? So I don't know if I'm. Yeah. What's um? Those are special special uh, artists. Well, you're just getting started. It's a long career. We'll see. Maybe in the fifth or sixth decade, we'll, you'll don the prosthetics and do six roles. You know, don't count it out. There you go. Um, I mentioned John Landis. They infamously didn't get along, Eddie and John, even though they, they ended up working together. Oh, really? Again. Yeah, on Beverly Hills Top 3, they reteamed. But I guess from what I read, you know, Eddie at Trading Places has something to prove. And like John Landis is the established director. It kind of had reversed mm. by the time they made this. Eddie was on top of the uh -huh. world. So there was a little bit of a, a power problem i'm just curious i'm always i talk to actors and directors about this a lot you know fun sets harmonious sets don't necessarily make great movies and vice versa do you i mean in your career so far do you see a correlation between like getting along with a filmmaker and making a great movie or does it not really matter i know so this is an interesting topic and i'm talking to other artists i've heard i've, heard, I've surprisingly heard you don't have to get along still be great you know make a great film they don't have to be the nicest people, but damn, they're, they're really good at what they do. Yeah. So you kind of, you endure. Um, I've been lucky with, with uh, most of the things I've been on that uh, I've got, not only have I gotten along with the filmmaker, um, we've, able to, we've been able to make something significantly uh, um, presentable you know, to, to the audience. So say, yeah. uh, I can speak for, the, for specifically to Spike Lee and Christopher Nolan. Um, which was a surprise, you know, I'm, I'm kind of prepared to be, you know, we'll work for food, I'm actor for hire, you tell me how to say it, I'll do it. That's what I was kind of expecting. And they were the opposite, you know, they, they really felt, made me feel like a, a, a colleague, you know, like, um, like a part of the team and only just a part of the team, leaned on my instincts, encouraged my instincts and my spontaneity. Um, that was, I was, I would exceed my expectations. I was a bit surprising for me because of, where yeah. they are in their careers and how consistent they've been. And they're these juggernauts of, uh, of artists that you don't expect to hear that, especially when I've heard it from artists, you know, not on that level, but uh, they do want you to say it a certain way and do want you to do it a certain way. So, it, you know, I've, I've uh, you know, you kind of protect yourself and prepare yourself for, for right. anything, uh, especially with people like that. But uh, when artists like that encourage you to, uh, to really, to really add, add what you do, do what you do and add on to it and be an addition to the team and be really a, a teammate. Um, 
it's encouraging moving forward that all right, there is a world that exists where you can, you can work with people that are great, that really love what they do. And uh, it, it can be harmonious. I mean, relative, you know, sure, sure. Set is, sets are crazy and there's always something. But on, for the most part, the overall that you can work together and be cohesive in that way. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to other uh, actors and I've talked to uh, Chris Nolan's been on the podcast and I've talked to other actors that have worked with him. Like he's remarkably, by all accounts, pretty calm in the middle of that storm, especially on the scale he's working. He kind of like has a focus that that is, um, I guess, necessary and or at least you want it in that kind of um, craziness, because otherwise, how are you going to get shit done? It's going to get like just <laughs> a mess otherwise. Um, before we get I to think 10, you hit, I think you yeah, hit it on the head, though. Yeah, you hit it on the head, though. I think the want he really wants to be there, you know, and I think he, you know, and some people can handle pressure. He gets calm under pressure. He, he, he likes, uh, I think, especially with Spike Lee too. I think they like a little bit of chaos. Let's see what the crew can do. Let's see, let's see what the actors do. Let's see how they handle it, you know, and uh, like a good coach, like a Bill Parcell or a Bill Belichick, yep. I think, uh, or, or Phil Jackson, that's when you're tested. That's when you know what you're really made of. So I think he embraces those moments and, but you have to want to be there to, to be able to embrace those moments the way he does. And to know that a Spike Lee and a Christopher Nolan who are at the top of their game, who have been doing this for such a long time and been, and been doing quality work for such a long time, still feel this way, still have this approach to it, like this almost like this first time approach to it. Um, yep. It's encouraging to know and it's humbling to know that all right, you, get, you should stay in place. You know, there's no room for egos on a set like theirs. They're really number one on the call sheet, but they don't act like it. You know right. what I'm saying? It's just the, the, the respect is, is there due to their actions, due to their, their, how they exemplify leadership. I, I guess, too, given your background as an athlete, like that athlete mentality probably helps, like similar to the way you're talking about the coaches, a player that can maintain focus and, and, and yes, be ultra prepared, but also kind of like maintain that kind of zen calm in the middle of, you know, just adjustments um, that's invaluable and on a film set. Um, so, so before we, we move into like a little bit of tenant talk and some just general things, I always like to bestow some uh, arbitrary awards to our comfort movie. I think I know where this is going, but the best performance in this film, got to give it to Eddie. Is that just a no brainer? Yeah. Eddie, yeah. Eddie Murphy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, best scene in this film. What's your favorite scene in coming to America? Oh, best scene. Well, I, I, I want to give a shout out to Arsenio though. I know best, best performance, but like, you know, yeah. uh, I, I gotta say supporting uh, Arsenio Hall. Okay, but uh, let me see the best scene. See, that's not that's not fair. That's like picking who your favorite <laughs> kid is. Like, uh, I, because the, the the club scene when uh, I was Joan of Arc in my former like when, when, like when they when they're in the club. I mean, I guess like all intents and purposes, I guess it's the 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 sequences in the barbershop. Yeah, I guess I'd say it's either that or or the the McDowell's. Um, uh, auction when it went with, with sexual chocolate comes on stage. Yep. And but I I go with the barbershop because okay. there's more there's more time with the barbershop stuff. All the do, you, do you have a favorite line or a line that you've most quoted over the course of your life from this movie? <laughs> you I don't have a favorite line, but I quote this one a lot. You ain't met no Martin Luther the King. <laughs> when he says I forget that actor's name, but when he says like I ain't never heard the king before. You ain't met no Martin Luther the King. Like now you just, it just applies whenever somebody's lying. Like, oh, I did that. You ain't met no Martin Luther King, shut up. <laughs> like it's, that is classic, classic, classic. I have a favorite that doesn't really work in any context, but it just always makes me laugh. It's, it's the way Eddie delivers. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> His entire, the way he delivers, you know yes. what it reminded me of when I was watching it actually? I think 
Will Ferrell in Elf owes a great deal of gratitude to this performance. <laughs> oh. because it, it is such an open, happy yeah. performance. Like, it, yeah. it, it, Eddie right. grins in this movie more than you've ever You're seen him. Right. He's, he's just a light spirit in the middle of like, kind of like the dank scariness of New York, similar to the way that, that Will does it in Elf. It, it just You're, works. You. You're right. No, when he when he announces it, so like, remember that morning? Yes, F you too. Like he's right, so right. proud. Yeah. He yeah. knows, right? Yeah. He's just on, so on the proud fire escape. Fuck you, Queens. The, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. And then wait, wait, wait. So, so wait. What is he? Wait. What was that scene? Wait. What, what's that scene? Which one? Um, the um, in the McDowell's or in the fire escape? Oh, oh, so yeah, he, he, he's talking to the, his prospective bride at the time. That's uh, right. Okay. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. Do you require right. any or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Right, right. When you think of garbage, think of a king. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> oh, and then another, you know what? And another one too, though, when he's in that sort of saying, um, but he's talking to her father, he, like, he's sweeping. And he's like, the, the, he talked about the way he describes American football. Right, yes, the yes, Packers yes. Was a big game. Recently, <laughs> took on the Giants of New York, and they kicked this like I was like, the oblong ball into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the, I was like, oh my god, this dude is brilliant. He's brilliant. Eddie Murphy, he he killed that. I love that scene too. He has never worked with your dad. Has there ever been talk? Have you ever said, Dad, uh, what's up? Why are you not working together? Oh man, I, I have not. But uh, I. I I want them, I'm, I want them to, it has to be the right thing though. Yeah. I don't want them to just do it for the sake of, it depends on who's who's coming with it, you know, but uh, I hope that they do one day. I, well, really I, hope, you, I hope that you do too with, with him one day. I mean, now that you're, you're oh, really man, well into great. this, man. Um, so we, t- we talked a little bit about Tenet. Sadly, uh, by the nature of it, as you know, I'm in New York. I, this is killing me, but I haven't seen the movie. This is, these are bizarre times. Yeah. Um, I couldn't yeah. be more excited about this. I'm totally in the tank for, for what Chris Nolan always does. Um, I'm, I'm particularly excited because, you know, I've been avoiding spoilers, of course, but I know his fondness for James Bond. Like, he's talked about it with me on the podcast and mm-hmm. others. Like, did, did, was Bond evoked a lot in the course of, on set? Did, did you guys talk about <laughs> the Bond movies? No, I, we, we talked about Star Wars a little bit, though. He, really? He was a fan of that. But we, I, we, st- we stayed, at least I did, stayed away from Bond. I, I, um, I had a different approach. And honestly, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking of it as spy trotting spy thriller. I was thinking of it, thinking of it as a as a as a Christopher Nolan genre, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, and uh, this is something nuanced. This is some. This is a new. This is new territory, in cinema, is what I thought. I mean, the guy didn't even have a name. You know, it, it's it's right. You're protagonist. the protagonist, right? Yes. So um, there was so much. I mean, that in that in that what what that entailed for me was that there's so much possibility um, for who the character is. That there's a way to sort of maybe break the mold. Like there's a way to do a character like this. Uh, and he invited another way. I wanted to, we, we wanted to bring humanity to, uh, to the character. We wanted to, uh, you know, I felt like his insecurities, his uh, sensitivities were his greatest strength. Right. You know, that he wasn't so cold, but uh, he was quite the opposite. So um, I, I, I felt like that was a superpower of his and what, what uh, you know, distinguishes him from other people in his, in his uh, arena, you know, that if everybody knows how to professionally snap a neck, can get information, can, can hold out in the torture scene, but what makes them, what, what's the difference there? And uh, we were able to explore that through the character, through, through his words, through what he wrote on the page and stand it up and give it life. 
I'm fascinated in, in the arc of your career in the last few years. I mean, you've, you've obviously, you know, most people probably either saw you in Ballers or in Black Klansmen, and that's sort of, those are the two things that really kind of kickstarted the career into another mm -hmm. level. I mean, it, it's also unusual, frankly, to see an actor kind of get the moment you're having at the age you're having it. It's like, you're not 22. Like, you're, you're, you're a man, you're a guy, you've lived a life already. Like, how, did hey. you... Did you, do you think that informs a little bit or, or helps you a little bit in kind of jumping into being the leading man now? Because you, you know, you, you, you have a collection of work, but you haven't done 30 movies. You've done more like five movies and yet you're able to still hold the screen in a, on a film of this scale. Um, I guess my question is like, did you, were you worried about a learning curve in jumping into these films where you had to be the guy in the Spike Lee movie? You had to be the guy in a Chris hmm. Nolan movie. How do you make that leap? with not that huge a resume, frankly. Well, um, well, um, thank you. I, I, I consider myself a man, uh, so thank you for that. I'm always impressed when I'm talking to a man because I'm still a child at 44, so you're, you're ahead of me. I'll tell you, I mean, I, I, I become like a child when these, when these films come out and I just, I just geek over them. Or like, you know, Christopher Nolan's just talking to you. I'm just like, <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of I'm still that has that's not lost upon me but I um my experience I've been told no a lot in my life yeah. you know I've basically failed in the whole other industry so uh you know I have I have a wealth of experiences that um were very influential in how I'm motivated how I operate and uh, appreciate things in this world and in my life and when things do happen for me when when things are positive for me um I I um I don't take it for granted. And, and more and more than that, too, I, I just, I felt like I was prepared for, I didn't look at it as I, the movies on my shoulders, the leading man, maybe because of my football career. I've seen guys get cut the last week of, of, uh, of the season. I've seen guys get, I've seen guys come in and leave out, you know, yep. so every day on that call sheet, if my name's still there, I got an opportunity to be my best. I got another opportunity to be there. Nothing's guaranteed. That's what I've learned from football and NFL, not for long. So, um, I, I have that mentality and it's not lost on me. I, I, uh, that's, that's kind of how I, how I see things and how I, um, um, you know, advanced. Now, because of those experiences, because of other experiences I've had as a child and, and um, you know, just what I've collected in life, um, the good, bad, and the ugly, that's all, that all informs me on what I do, you know? And um, I think um, being able to tap into certain things for a character um, is in combination with the experiences that I've accumulated in, to this point. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the old adage, you know, life imitates art, art life. Um, it, it, uh, it's quite applicable, you know, specifically to my life and my uh, career. Um, and that's what I want to continue to do moving forward. So it's not like the moment's too big. I don't even know if I'm having them or whatever the moment is. I just know that, you know, Spike Lee, Christopher Nolan, these people believe in me. These, you know, I, I've been, I got an opportunity to collaborate with some artists that I really believe in. Yep. And God willing, I get to continue to do that. You're also working with some of the, the best actors out there, whether it's, uh, you know, Elizabeth Debicki or Robert Pattinson. Uh, Pattinson, talk about a guy having a moment and just sort of see how he's, nah, he's managed. There you go. I mean, so, movie I mean, star. a movie star, totally, right? Like, I mean, you know, I spent a long time at MTV. So I, I interviewed Rob like a thousand times through the whole Twilight thing. And to see where he is uh, now, given where right. he was, is just, it, it breaks my brain in half. It's fantastic. He's such a good guy. And right. I just love the way he's yeah, put he in the work. Um, were you with him when he got the news about Batman? Was that something that he confided in you at the time? 
Uh, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed. Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of out there. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. I was. I mean, and he's gonna. What I'm excited about for him is how he, his approach to Bruce Wayne. To me, that's the key. You yeah. know, and I, I, I say I love Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is the key to it for me. Uh, and his Bruce Wayne is going to be bazonkers. Like it's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna. It's good. I mean, he's such a phenomenal actor. And I'm glad you mentioned Elizabeth as well, to Becky. I think she is like in a way like she's been doing this for a minute now she's been in yeah. it's like you look up like oh i didn't realize that was her she knows how to morph though is the point oh, of like when i like, saw her like, in widows such a, what she yeah, did in widows right? it was like who i, I knew I who she was but like that's a character actor that's somebody that can really, as you say transform you. amazing she just she she has this ability to do that so she's been in these films these in a lot of these big budget films too that you you forget like oh that was her huh right I can't believe it. Like she's just, she isn't. She's like your favorite act, your favorite actor's favorite actor. You know, I mean, she's that talented. So, um, you know, being being able to work with somebody. I mean, Adam Driver is another one. You know, uh, you know, I just, um, you know, uh, uh, it, it, you know, Corey, who was uh, Kwame Ture, like what he did with that speech. I'm just fortunate to be able to um, to, to to be able to work with somebody. I just worked with a, with a, a lovely actor. Um, you know, not recently. That uh, that that is fantastic. Um, so I just thing? You're, yeah, and yeah. it's just it's just I've just been lucky to see these great talents, and and more importantly to me, what's been really great is their attitudes are good. Attitudes are correct. No egos. You know, either one of these people we've named, we just talked about. They're all here for the right reasons. So there is a formula. There is a reason that they keep doing it. They keep they're this successful. I think you know, and I think that's a part of it. They got the right energy. You're saying none of those people came with the wipers. You're saying they, or if they did, they, the wipers were being hidden in the uh, in the trailer. Oh man! <laughs> Let's talk about. I'm, I'm saying that they had the right attitude emotionally. <laughs> I feel like that was like a non-denial denial. I feel like you were admitting somebody had wipers just by the way you didn't respond. <laughs> I know nothing about no nothing about nothing. You're not on the witness stand, my friend. Don't worry. Um, what is your relationship with superhero stuff? I mean, it's the it's the question I ask every I have to ask every actor nowadays because it's the it's the genre of the day. Did you grow up into comic books into superhero movies? Uh, well, I I, uh, I had this action figure. It was, it was Sun Man, who uh, uh, this 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 uh, this uh, this is an action figure who looked like me that had superheroes. Um, that had superhero power, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, Black Panther was was one of them. But Batman, I really, I loved Batman. I just everything about Gotham City and that world. I just, I just was obsessed with it. Obsessed with Batman since yeah. Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah, Tim Burton. I mean, uh, I'm a little, again a little older than you, but I, I always say like I, uh, I think the first time I skipped school was when Batman opened on June 23rd, 1989. I was 13 years old, and I had to see, I had to see that movie. I had to see. Nice, it. good on you. <laughs> And yo, but uh, the fun fact, like Prince did the entire score, like did the soundtrack. Isn't that crazy? Like <laughs> amazing, amazing. What a, amazing. what an artifact of the time, but perfect. I love that movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you well know, you've been like fan casted Green Lantern, John Stewart, other other characters. Um, do you ha have you had those kinds of meetings? Like for, are, 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 is that something that interests you? Like those kind of characters? I mean, who wouldn't want to be in the DC or Marvel universe? But uh, no, they haven't. They haven't asked me. Well, this is how it happens nowadays. As you know, you just keep talking about it and we manifest it. We make it happen. I'm just trying to help you out, buddy. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Hey, Alexa, give me a meeting with you. <laughs> is, that, is that how it works? <laughs> exactly. Alexa, call Kevin Feige. 
Right. <laughs> so you mentioned yeah. um, you've been able to not only do a bunch of press during the last uh, month or two, but um, actually produce some art. You were able to, you shot something uh, given the circumstances. What was that like? You worked with Zendaya, uh, with Sam Levinson of Euphoria fame. Um, was it, was that a nice kind of way to kind of channel your energy in a time when a lot of us were just not knowing what to do with ourselves? Right. Well, it was, it was therapeutic, th therapeutic in so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, maybe even chief among those ways were the fact that I, you can't, there was a bit of normalcy in the horizon, you know, it was like, oh, there is a way that we can get back to how things were or are with the right protocols. I shout out to uh, our producers, you know, Ash and, you know, Sam's a producers and there's producers, Kev, and uh, who I'm most proud of is Katia Washington, um, who, you know, African-American woman who really set the rules of safety for our film, that there was, that, that we were able to film it, that we were able to do it. And maybe it could be the blueprint moving forward in our industry, that it could nice. be hers. I mean, I think it was a historic moment. And I'm very proud of her for, for, uh, for setting those rules and doing what she did for the film. So um, uh, it was, yeah, it was therapeutic in so many ways. And the fact that we can still create something that we really believe in. I mean, this takes indie to the next level, like super indie, whatever's underneath that. Yeah, how many people super. were on the set? Is this like a, like, is this a handful of people on the set? A handful of people. Um, yeah, it was, it, you know, it was, it was very intimate, you know, which, uh, which was appropriate given the theme. Yeah, it must be like, yeah, just juicy material for an actor, wouldn't it? Because I assume it's just the two of you are the only two actors. Oh, it, so. I mean, I think Sam is, is, I mean, he's, he's incredible. I yeah. mean, his, he, his pen game, his writing, <laughs> you know, what they're doing, what they're doing in Euphoria is just, it's next level. It yeah. really is. So I was lucky that uh, to, to come over and uh, be a part of that. Well, it speaks to what you've been able to accomplish that we're talking things from like Tenet, which is as big as movie making gets to something kind of down and dirty, like this right. recent endeavor with Sam Levinson and Zendaya. Okay. So whatever you're doing, man, you're doing it right. I, I, you know, I've been, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. I'm sorry it's under these insane circumstances, yeah. but um, I know we'll get together in person at some point. And uh, mm. I can't wait to talk to you about Tenet when when I'm allowed to see it safely <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and um, please do. I will. Please I'll be there. Me. Trust me. I'll be there. Um, thanks man for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And so ends another edition of happy, sad, confused. Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>